0: Our scripture lesson this evening comes from Leviticus chapter 9. Leviticus chapter 9. Hear now the word of our God. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a peace offering, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. And they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Draw near to the altar, and offer your sin offering, and your burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and for the people, and bring the offering of the people, and make atonement for them, as the Lord has commanded. So Aaron drew near to the altar, and killed the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood, and put it on the horns of the altar, and poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver from the sin offering he burned on the altar, as the Lord commanded Moses. The flesh and the skin he burned up with fire outside the camp. Then he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. And they handed the burnt offering to him piece by piece, and the head, and he burned them on the altar. And he washed the entrails and the legs and burned them with the burnt offering on the altar. Then he presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. And he presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it and burned it on the altar besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings for the people. And Aaron's sons handed him the blood and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breasts, and he burned the fat pieces on the altar, but the breasts and the right thigh Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord, as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings, and Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord, and consumed the burnt offering and the, the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. This is the word of the Lord. On the eighth day. It's remarkable how important the eighth day was to the people of Israel. We oftentimes think about the seventh day, the Sabbath day, and think that's the most important day in the Old Testament. After all, God sanctified and blessed the seventh day in Genesis two. But of course, where what comes after Genesis two? I know, Genesis three. Genesis two ends with humanity in the garden in Eden. Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day, living in fellowship with God. Every seventh day was a reminder that they were entering God's rest. But for us, there's a problem with that seventh day, because in Genesis 3, man rebelled against God, refused to heed his voice, followed the voice of the serpent, and were banished from the garden. They were exiled from the presence of God. And thus, every seventh day was a reminder of how they had failed to enter God's rest. The seventh day is a reminder of how things are not what they should be. Actually, you hear this in the way that the fourth commandment is put in the law of Moses. Listen to how Exodus 20 puts it. the creation as it should be the foundation for our sabbath observance is that it's patterned after god's own pattern the problem is found in the retelling of the of the fourth commandment in deuteronomy 5 because in deuteronomy 5 when moses recounts the 10 commandments the other nine he states almost verbatim the same as in exodus 20 but in deuteronomy 5 he changes the fourth commandment significantly You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Wait, where's creation? In Deuteronomy, creation is not mentioned. What's the reason for why you keep the Sabbath day? Because you were slaves in Egypt and God brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, you give rest to your servants on the sabbath day remember you were a slave the lord delivered you so that he might bring you into his rest this morning we started our service with psalm 95 which recounts the rebellion in the wilderness and god's solemn oath that the rebels would not enter his rest entering the promised land is compared with entering the garden returning to eden Israel as the second Adam redeemed by God's mighty hand returning to the Lord entering God's rest coming into the land is paralleled with entering the garden entering God's rest but Israel rebelled and as Hebrews 3 and 4 point out if Joshua had brought Israel into God's rest then Psalm 95 would not have spoken of another day if Psalm 95 is applying the concern about Meribah and Massah, the rebellion in the wilderness, and saying, the call comes to you now to enter God's rest. It's the same problem that we've been seeing so far in Leviticus. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can enter God's holy place? At the end of the book of Exodus, we saw that the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, had been consecrated There is now a place on earth where God meets with his people and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle in Exodus 40. But when the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, no one could go in. There's a a place to enter the presence of God, but when God's there, you can't go in. Okay, how's this going to work? How can man enter God's rest? How can humanity return to the Lord? How can we return to Eden? How can we go back and enter God's rest? And God's answer is, there is no way back. The cherub with the flaming sword still guards the entrance to Eden. But there is a way forward. You cannot go back to the seventh day. There must be a new day. There must be an eighth day. This is why Aaron and his sons must spend seven days in purification and consecration. Only on the eighth day, only on the first day of the new creation, can Aaron and his sons enter into their new creation labors of giving rest to God's people. We heard in, in chapter 8 of the ordination offerings, the, the preparation for the entrance into the priestly service of God. Now, here in chapter 9, we hear of the commencement of that service. This eighth day was the dawn of the new creation. Now, from our perspective on this side of the cross, we would call it the dawn of the shadow of the new creation. But for Aaron and his sons, for Israel, this is the dawning of a new creation. Israel is my son, my firstborn. Adam had been created as the son of God who would live in communion with God. Adam had failed. This is this is the greatest thing that has ever happened in human history. The glory of the Lord, which had appeared at Sinai and God had appeared to Abraham and it, 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 Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had, had gotten the... but God had never appeared to all his people. Now he has appeared at Sinai And not only that, but the glory of the Lord has now filled the tabernacle. God is going to go with his people as they go through the wilderness. But now, God wants a people to be near to him. How can humanity draw near to God? Ever since the Garden of Eden, there has not been a place on earth where humanity could draw near to God. Oh, once in a while, when God shows up and specially favors a patriarch, okay, something happens. But where is there a place on earth where you can say, I want to go and meet with God? There is no such place. Only here at Sinai does God say, I will come down and dwell with my people. This is the beginning of the pattern that God is going to show his people of what will happen when the word became flesh and tabernacled among us for Aaron and his sons, for all Israel, this day is the dawning of the new creation. The eighth day has come. It's why the resurrection of Jesus is always said to be the first day of the week or it's sometimes said the eighth day because all of this, this pattern is pointing forward to it's when the new creation dawns. There must be a day beyond the seventh day. And this is what God was teaching them. And so and so Moses Said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. Notice in verse two that Aaron must start once again with a sin offering and a burnt offering for himself. Before he he, he spent the last seven days consecrating himself, offering sin offerings and burnt offerings for himself. He spent the last seven days doing this, and he has to do it again on the eighth day. Uh, note, especially, that the sin offering for the priest must be a bull calf. Now, previously we've referred simply as a bull. Here we're told a bull calf. Remember that Aaron had made a golden calf, same word, for Israel to worship back in Exodus 32. It's appropriate that Aaron must offer a calf as a sin offering for himself. It's a reminder to Aaron and indeed all Israel since, uh, remember, that was just a few months ago. Everybody still remembers a few months ago when they had done this whole golden calf thing and that didn't go so well. And now the same guy that made the golden calf is going to be consecrated their high priest. The priests are not sinless. It's why they must offer a sin offering for themselves even after seven days of making atonement and purifying themselves, they still have to offer a sin offering on the eighth day. You might say, seriously? They've been in the tent of meeting for seven days. They haven't had a chance to do anything else besides be in the tabernacle for seven days, 24-7, that's where they've been. Why do they have to add another sin offering? You see, Moses was a Calvinist. Or... To say it better, this is one of those places where the Christian doctrine of human sinfulness, and you might say total depravity, uh, is clearly expressed. Why does Aaron need another sin offering? Because when you are preparing to enter the presence of a holy God, you Always need a sin offering. You, there's, you know, you know, there's, there are those people who say, "Oh, but but what if a person didn't sin?" I mean, actually, I, I, I've heard of this. That when people say, "Well, we shouldn't we shouldn't make people pray a prayer of confession out loud. What if they didn't sin last week?" I mean, now, for I don't think most of us, have, in order to do that, you really have to redefine sin to mean something totally different than what the Bible talks about sin, because we have we all have sinned and. That's where we need to come before God, confessing our sin, acknowledging our sin. When you are preparing to enter the presence of a holy God, you always need a sin offering. Because part of it is, if you remember, the sin offering was prescribed for unintentional sins. So even if you can't think of anything that you've done in the last few hours, the last 24 hours for Aaron, he, he, he might be like, I can't, I can't think of anything I did. But that's the point of unintentional sins unintentional sins are the things you don't notice. So you didn't notice your sin, but now you're coming into a presence of a holy God, a holy God who knows your heart and who knows everything you've done. And, oh, so yeah, you want to make sure you bring a sin offering every time. And that's where, what is the sin offering that we bring? This is where several times in the New Testament, Paul refers to how Christ was, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, that word for sin, is actually for as a sin offering. That Jesus himself is our sin offering who has offered himself to God. So if the priests are going to intercede for Israel, they themselves must first be pure. But then note that the the responsibility of the people here. And say to the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb etc we'll see in the book of numbers that they often divided up the responsibilities among the tribes if you think about it okay here's this is supposed to okay who's supposed to do this the people well, who 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 are who will actually take responsibility for doing it well In in Exodus 24, there were 70 elders who represented Israel and it's likely that something similar is happening here. There's a, a, a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb for the burnt offering, an ox and a ram for peace offerings, along with a grain offering mixed with oil. Now, if you think about that, if there's one ox and one ram being offered as the peace offering... Okay, an ox will feed a lot of people, but by no means all Israel. So there's, this is going to be a representative portion of Israel will be partaking of the, the peace offering this, on this particular day. And so they do what Moses commanded. They brought the offerings, all the congregation draws near and stands before the Lord. This is the moment they've been waiting for. This is the thing, Moses says, that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Not just that the glory of the Lord may appear at Sinai, not just the glory of the Lord will appear to the priests, but the glory of the Lord will appear... What's the purpose of the priests? So that you may see the glory of the Lord. For the first time since Eden, there is now going to be a place where man can meet with God... And so in verse 7, Moses instructs Aaron, draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. For seven days he's been making atonement for himself. Now it will be for himself on the eighth day and for the people. And bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded And so Aaron does, as Moses commanded. First, in verse 8, he offers the the sin offering for himself. The priests must be in a right relation to God before they can mediate for the people. Even after the seven days of consecration, they must continue to offer sin offerings and burnt offerings for themselves. As the sin offering, uh, only the fat, the liver and the kidneys is burned on the altar. The rest is burned outside the camp. The point of the sin offering being that the sin is transferred to the animal and so the sin must be taken outside the camp. And so Aaron and his sons remove their sin and their sin is taken um, not quite as far as the east is from the west, but um, it's at least a fair fac- facsimile thereof. It's, we'll take it as far, you know, outside the camp. Um, it's, a, it's a picture of what Isaiah will mean when Isaiah says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he will remove our sins from us. That's the picture. Outside the camp, there will be no sin in the camp because the sin is transferred to these animals who are then burned outside the camp. And then in verses 12 to 14, we hear of the burnt offering for Aaron and his sons, the ascension offering, whereby Aaron and his sons ascend the hill of the Lord in the smoke of the animal. Their sin was transferred to the sin offering so that they might be reckoned as righteous and holy in God's sight. Sort of, You might say it's a justification image and but and that's where Hebrews will point out that these offerings could not actually ta- take away sin after all the the need for daily and weekly and monthly and annual offerings would demonstrate this to any thoughtful Israelite it's like we wait if we have to do this over and over then that means this will never end we will just keep on offering animals every day every week every month every year there's this has got to be going somewhere. There's got, there's got to be something, some way that God will bring this to a conclusion, a final and full sacrifice. And the thoughtful Israelite might even reflect back to, hmm, there was that story we re, we, we hear about when when Abraham took Isaac, and there's something about the son, the beloved son, being a burnt offering on our behalf. But it wasn't going to be Isaac because God, God provided the ram in place of Isaac. So there there had to be, there has to be something else. At this point in Israel's history, they don't see clearly where that's going. But they see clearly that there, the story is going somewhere. We're going in the right direction. God himself is drawing near to us. This is where So much of ancient religion had to do with how can humanity get to God and what God is clearly showing in the Exodus, what he's clearly showing here in Leviticus is God is coming to man, not man trying to get to God. God himself wishes to draw near to his people and he just has to cleanse his people so that they can come to him. And having performed the purifying rituals for himself and his sons, now Aaron turns to the offerings for the people. After being purified themselves, the priests could now begin the work of bringing the people to God. And once again, they start with the goat of the sin offering. Now, the use of a male goat might seem odd at first, especially if you remember back in chapter 4, verse 14, we were told the sin offering for the whole congregation is supposed to be a bull. But if the sin offering for the priest is also a bull, it appears that the priest's bull suffices to reduce the price for the people to a goat. So uh, if if a priest's bull is able to reduce the price for the people, how much is a papal bull worth? it 's not worth the paper it 's written on, so um, so when the Pope issues a decree it 's called a papal bull, uh, so Luther had the right idea when the Pope issued a a, a bull calling for his arrest, Luther had it burn, burned in the fire as as, as a burnt offering i don 't know um, but after and yes, yes, Luther did have a lot of fun with the with the play on words because even in German it works there. Um, but after Aaron offered the sin offering for the people, he then offered the burnt offering so that the people might draw near, so that they could ascend the hill of the Lord. And he offered the grain offering, the, the tribute offering, which with a handful burned on the altar and the rest given to the priests. Well, then came the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings. The Notice here that when, we, when you see the word sacrifice used, In the Old Testament, sacrifice is always used to refer to peace offerings, Uh, and that's where. So, oftentimes in the New Testament, the word sacrifice gets used more indiscriminately. But in the Old Testament, uh, the word sacrifice is used always in relation to the peace offering. The blood of the animal is thrown on the sides of the altar, and if you think about what's going on here, you know we've now had several animals with their blood thrown against the side of the altar, there's going to be quite a little river of blood flowing down from the altar. Uh, in fact, when we get to the temple, they actually have a little channel cut so that <laughs> there's a way of getting this, this blood out uh, without... Uh, because I mean, if, you, if you're familiar with the smell of blood, I mean, you, you, don't, want it, you don't, don't want it going everywhere. You want to sort of channel it so that you can get it out. Uh, the fat, the liver and the kidneys is burned on the altar upon this mountain of flesh that's been burning for hours. And there's just a little bit of incense in the grain offering to counteract the smell of burning flesh. But then the breast and the right thigh, Aaron waves as a wave offering before the Lord, a demonstration of, of Israel's submission to God. Now, at this point, the focus of our text turns to what Moses and Aaron do, but it's just worth noting at this point. Then the the meat of the uh, the breast and the thigh would now be cooked for Aaron and his sons, and the rest of the meat of the ox and the ram would be for the people or for their representatives on this special day. So that's that's the sort of thing that it rarely mentions the details of. Uh, but as that's going on on the side, uh, then Aaron lifts up his hands. Toward the people and bless them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he, he blesses them. Now, in number 6, we'll hear the Aaronic blessing. On on that occasion, he may have said something different, but it would have been something like this. It's what I say Sunday evenings, usually. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as God says in number 6, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The priestly blessing is not simply a a wish or even a prayer. The priestly blessing is a declaration of God's own blessing. When I bless you at the end of the worship service, it's not a mere wish that you be blessed, nor is it a prayer that God would bless you. I am placing God's name upon you. I am declaring His blessing. And having received God's blessing, because you think about what's going on well, Aaron has received God's blessing, and now he mediates that blessing to his people. It's, it's a central theme of, of the priesthood throughout the Old Testament. They are set apart to serve in the tabernacle and later in the temple, but not for their own benefit. The priests serve as mediators to mediate the blessings of God to Israel. Now, watch what goes next. Until this day, we were told that Moses would go into the tent of meeting. Sometimes Joshua went with him. But now, for the first time, Aaron joins Moses in the tabernacle. There is a high priest. There is a high priest who is like his brothers, who knows their frailty because he's a sinner like one of them Aaron could deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. After all, Aaron had offered the golden calf a few months ago. He had, he had done exactly the opposite of what God had commanded. And when a sinner came to Aaron, he knows, he knew that this was not a man to cast the first stone. Now, we, we seem to like our heroes to be flawed, like us. It, it makes us feel better to know that they are real people. But of course, part of the problem is that if all of our heroes are flawed just like us, then we're never going to get out of this cycle. We need a better high priest. And that's what Hebrews had said just before at the end of chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is what a flawed and sinful high priest could never actually do. You don't actually want a high priest who's just like you. You want a high priest who is like us in all respects, except sin. The cycle of the offerings in the Old Testament would would never end. The cycle of sin and death would always continue. When will it ever end? When will humanity be able to return to fellowship with God? When will the eighth day come so that we might enter God's rest? Well, you see a picture of this in verse 23. When Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting and When they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offering. God had accepted their offering. To put it simply, God had accepted Aaron's priesthood. God has consecrated Aaron and his sons. A new day has dawned. A new creation has come. A new Adam, a new man, has entered the holy place and God did not destroy him. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord, but what did it consume? It consumed the ascension offering and the fat of the sin and the peace offerings. God has accepted these offerings in place of the death of Aaron, in place of the death of Israel. And so now, Israel has peace with God through our great high priest Aaron. That's not nearly as good as Romans five one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's pointing to exactly the same thing. How can we be right with God? Only through the shedding of blood. Only through the atoning sacrifice. It's just those... Atoning sacrifices were never, ever going to be complete because they just keep keep doing them over and over again. They keep happening over and over again, every day, every week, every month, every year. It's only the blood of Jesus that can wash away our sins. Only through the blood of the Lamb, only through His atoning sacrifice can we be made clean and pure and holy. And that's... Now, if, if if you've noticed... It's not the the next day or the next week or uh, beyond that Nadab and Abihu. It's it's the next thing that happens. But we're not going to try to go on to chapter 10 tonight. But the story actually keeps going and very quickly goes badly because this new creation turns very much the same direction as the first one did because what happens to Adam and Eve's sons... Well, they turn fratricidal right away. Cain kills Abel. And now you have a, a different sort of Cain and Abel in Nadab and Abihu. But you can see, okay, this new creation isn't going to be the new creation. This is only a pointer of, to the new creation which reminds us an awful lot of the old creation. And isn't that so often our own experience? That we fall short, that we are not what we should be. And that's where, as, as we think about what it is that Jesus has done, Jesus is the one who has brought the new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You participate in a new creation that Jesus has brought in his resurrection from the dead on the eighth day, on the first day of the new creation. And this is what Jesus is now doing as he is bringing a people to God that you know, Aaron, Aaron could only ever get into an earthly holy of holies. And he took Israel in the holy of holies through the breastplate, the breastplate with the 12 names of the 12 tribes. That's, that's as close as they could ever get. Jesus brings you to the Father not simply sort of not simply in a idealized way but really and indeed by his spirit because as you have been united to Christ by faith by his spirit so also you Paul says have been seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus this isn't just sort of a someday pie in the sky maybe this is who you are in Christ this is not just something that, oh, you know, I hope someday... That this is actually what Jesus has begun and is continuing to work out in his church and by his by His spirit, by faith, that we might become all that he has made us to be. So let's pray and ask him to keep doing it. Father, help us, because we we too quickly and too often, too easily, turn aside from your ways and... And we are too much like Aaron or like Nadab and Abihu, who, who turn away from your your laws and your ways, and who don't listen carefully and do what you say. But we thank you that you have provided for us a, a better High Priest, a High Priest not just after the order of Aaron, but one after the order of Melchizedek, who has come in our flesh, who has joined himself to our humanity in order that. He might join us to you through His once for all atoning sacrifice that He might become for us the sin offering and the burnt offering who ascends to your right hand not just in the smoke of His fire but indeed in His own flesh that He might ascend to your right hand as the, the, the one who now intercedes for us at your right hand. That there is one who shares our humanity who sits at your right hand in glory and who has brought us to yourself by His Spirit that we might be joined joined to his life that we might be joined to your life o oh father for this we thank you and praise you and we marvel at your great mercy and goodness to us and we ask that you would help us that by your holy spirit you would renew us that as you have as you, as you have spoken to us in your word that even so you would renew us by your spirit that you would that you would fill us with your spirit and and grant to us the, the, the the fruit of the spirit that we might walk before you in love joy peace patience we would live before you as those who are faithful and kind who are self-controlled who who don't seek our own way but who seek the way of your son who deny ourselves take up our cross and follow jesus help us lord because apart apart from your grace we can do nothing so strengthen us we pray and 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 renew us that we might that we might bear witness to the glory of Jesus in our daily lives, that in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities, in each place where you put us, Lord, help us to show forth the love of Christ. Help us to believe your promises and to live in that faith, in that hope, in that love. Lord, have mercy and give us... Give us that kindness to one another that in the way that we speak to one another in the way that we encourage one another in the way that we rebuke and admonish one another that we might do all these things in, in ways that, that build each other up and seek to encourage one another and to, to, that we might grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus in, in every aspect of life. Help us, Father, and and give us wisdom as we walk before You. Have mercy on those who are afflicted and sorrowful. Have mercy on those who are grieving and, and downcast, and raise them up by your by the grace of Your Son, by the power of Your Spirit, that that together we might we might walk in humility and holiness all our days. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.